to another Apollo Papyrus podcast episode. I'm Aaron Apollo Camp. This episode's interview guest is a neuroradiologist, the son of a Holocaust survivor, and the author of the book Not a Real Enemy, the True Story of a Hungarian Jewish Man's Fight for Freedom. I had the opportunity to interview Dr. Robert Wolf, and as y'all will find out during the interview, persecution at the hands of the Nazis wasn't the only persecution Dr. Wolf's father had to face. Dr. Robert Wolf, welcome to Apollo Papyrus. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Nice to, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to meet you. Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay, I'm Rob Wolf, uh, Robert J. Wolf, MD, if you want to Google me. Uh, I am a radiologist. I was born in Detroit, raised in suburban Michigan near Detroit. Um, I went to Tufts University undergrad. Uh, very fortunate to be able to do that. University of Michigan Medical School. Go Blue. They just won the championship. Very nice. Been a long time waiting. Uh, then I ended up doing an internship in Massachusetts area. I did a radiology residency at Brown and my neuroradiology fellowship at Yale. And now, before you know it, I'm 30 years old. So my indentured servantry years were kind of over by then. And I've been practicing radiology ever since. Uh, I've been part-time since I've been 43. I've had multiple different jobs uh, in Michigan, in Rhode Island, in Massachusetts. Uh, it's been a great run, a good journey. Um, it's not over yet, uh, hopefully. I'm still working very part-time uh, and, and doing x-ray and ultrasound two days a week. And I, I when I can talk about the history of the book when we, we get into the book, but uh Going back to work for me uh, had something to do with uh, picking my book up and starting to write this, my, write, write my dad's biography. So um, I'm here in Florida now, but I've lived in uh, half my life in Michigan, half my life in New England, and now I'm here in Southern Florida for about four years and counting. Just beat the COVID. Just got here just before the COVID period. Without spoiling too much of your book, which is titled Not a Real Enemy, The True Story of a Hungarian Jewish Man's Fight for Freedom, what is your book about? Well, my book is uh, basically it's a biography about my father, my dad, um, and it cover. It's also a history book, a, a book that includes the history of Hungary from uh, the end of World War One all the way through the uh, Hungarian Revolution in 1956. So quite a span, 30, 40 years. Uh, so we we cover uh, Nazi Hungary, well, free Hungary for a while, Nazi Hungary, uh, Nazi occupied Hungary, and then communist Hungary, communist occupied Hungary. Uh, it's an adventure. Uh, my dad uh, endured uh, multiple hardships, uh, multiple harrowing times, multiple escapes. Uh, he missed an escape even that uh, he went to the wrong train station and everybody made that train. That's a, a spoiler, one spoiler. Uh, everybody got arrested, but not my dad. He, he, was, so, he was so upset that uh, he thought his luck was so bad because he went to the wrong train station. Everybody that got on that train got arrested, including his medical school classmate, and it affected his career down the road. Uh, and uh, my dad always had that uh, that paradox, that uh, internal strife about uh, wanting to live free and wanting to be a doctor, a successful doctor. Ultimately, he got to do both, but uh, it was a really tough time, and, and especially in communist Hungary. So, um, it's uh, the book is about the trials and, and the tri the triumphs and, and tragedies, the trials and tribulations of my dad's parents and their family and their friends uh, who had to struggle through severe anti-Semitism throughout uh, at least half his life uh, until he came to the United States, big time. And so the timing on this book being released couldn't be any better with everything going on as well. So many messages in the book, determination, um, integrity, hope, uh, resilience, 
I, I, there's not enough words and the, there's not enough adjectives to describe how tough my dad was and, and how he went through everything he went through and still managed to uh, make it to the other end uh, with a smile and, uh, and end up being an OBGYN in the Detroit area and delivered about 10,000 babies uh, in his shortened career and loved every minute of it. So uh, there's the redemption part. I guess that's the punchline that dad ended up after everything he went through and his parents and even my mom's uh, grandfather, a rabbi, uh, killed at Auschwitz, another sad story. Uh, the, the, the way they they got out and and lived a good life and uh, lucky to make it alive. I'm lucky to be here. And uh, so as part of my legacy, my parents' legacy and the family legacy, uh, we, we did this book. Are there any historical parallels between the time in which your book is set, which is from uh, before World War II to uh, 1956 or so and today? Uh, well, there sure are. First of all, while working backwards, the Ukraine war, I call the Ukraine war the Hungarian Revolution on steroids. I mean, it's gone on and on and on. But the Hungarian Revolution, uh, they, uh, when that when the Ukraine war first came out, a lot of historians were comparing the two, uh, how the United States didn't uh, intervene as much as they should have. Uh, I feel that the United States has a certain uh, responsibility to its own people to not put its own people at risk by uh, intervening too much overseas. As a, That's one opinion. But I think that they should help in Ukraine, of course, as other countries are too, because that's that war seems endless now. So, uh, but the Hungarian Revolution has been compared. That was only a two-week war, but it was long enough. When you read about it, in the did a lot of damage, property damage, three thousand people killed, uh, on and on. Uh, my mom and dad were frontliners. Uh, dad was an OBGYN, like I said, but he had to double down as a trauma surgeon. Uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of young people injured, a lot of displaced people. Mom ran the blood bank, so she was a frontliner too. And then finally, after that, uh, after that war, their second, they escaped uh, out of the country. Uh, going back to World War II in the 1930s, well, we're kind of seeing that now with this anti-Semitism rise, uh, graffiti, destruction of property. Uh, I, I was saddened by uh, the murder of a, a Jewish president of a synagogue in the Detroit area and a 65-year-old L.A. man getting killed, Jewish man getting killed uh, just for being Jewish. And we're seeing more of that. And it's very, it's very distressing. Uh, I'm here to fight that. Um, I'm fervently trying to fight anti-Semitism, but the parallels are there. Thank God we don't have uh, swastikas going up and down the streets and tanks and people saluting uh, the wrong people uh, yet. And I hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, hard to believe that it's worse in Canada than the United States, if if true. But uh, you know, New York City is becoming kind of a zoo, and and uh, Toronto. And I have two cousins that live in Toronto, so I worry for them. They've been there all their lives. They're uh, they're very productive, kind, Orthodox Jews. One is a dentist. The other one runs a furniture store. Uh, they they do very well, and they're super nice people. And I, I don't think that they deserve this kind of this kind of treatment. I don't think anybody does. I mean, not just Jewish people, anybody. So uh, there's a lot of message in that too. So yes, there are a lot of parallels. I mean, it couldn't be couldn't be more so. It's uh, you're Jewish, you're screwed. You know, so uh, not so much in the United States. We still have rights. We have lawyers. We have police. It's not just the government against you. It's uh, there are a lot of thank God 98 99 percent of people are uh, have some normal uh, morality and and uh, and think that what's going on now is kind of unacceptable so or very unacceptable I should say so um, but yeah there are parallels it's a it's a it's an, a pre-Nazi occupied light and uh, the communist part I can't even compare to because uh, the lessons in the book teach that uh, all those of us that complain about the free world and our governments and our system and our society. Uh, they read this book and they'll say, oh, geez, I've got nothing to complain about, myself included. Uh, this book has transformed a lot of people's way of thinking and a lot of people have hopped on with uh, the message and 
uh, with my book and then also many other books from uh, my publisher, Amsterdam Publishers, who uh, were kind enough to take the book on. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But uh, this type of book is all they do, Holocaust. And so if you're interested in that genre, besides my book, uh, and of course, my book covers the communist the communist part of the Hungar- Hungarian uh, in the 20th centuries t- as well. So now your book has won four awards. Tell our listeners about uh, about the awards uh, your book has won. It's it's hard to believe. I, I mean, it's not hard to believe because it's a great it's a great book. It's a great quality book. But I, I haven't even absorbed that yet. I mean, I haven't even had time to. It's not even something to celebrate because it's a the book is about a serious topic. But uh, I am very grateful and uh, and f- feel very blessed that uh, we have won these awards as the recognition is there. The, the recognition is uh, the recognition of the importance of the work as well as the quality of the work. It, it's very it's it's very um, heartwarming. And uh, so we did, uh, we've won a um, Nautilus Book Award. That was the first one. And then uh, a the National Indie Excellence Award. And then uh, the Living uh, Living Now Book Award. And finally, the uh, Reader's Favorite Book Award. So pretty quality, pretty quality book awards. And uh, maybe a fifth one will come in. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to be greedy. Uh, but it's, uh, the fifth award comes from people that read the book and give me, you know, a five-star rating or write a good review and that to me is the best part of the day. That to me, when I see people writing reviews or telling other people about it, that to me is the most gratifying part because uh, writing a book and producing a book is a lot of hard work. So uh, the four awards is very gratifying. I'm very pleased. And uh, hopefully people recognize people that read the book say, I, I see why it's a four star, uh, four, sorry, five star, four award book, you know? You mentioned that Amsterdam publishers uh, published your book and i understand uh they only uh, publish books in a rather uh narrow uh topic that your book is written in correct i mean some things are expounded i mean there's there's it gets stretched a little there's a, there's a book about uh, the the psychological ramifications of a survivor's daughter uh but there's books about uh, people that have survived their pets um, books about music and survivors uh, other escape uh, other escape stories uh, people that uh, end up being spies uh, people like my mom's boyfriend after my dad passed who uh, actually uh, went and fought in Europe uh, uh, you know half a million Jews fought for the United States in World War II and uh, many of them were like my mom's boyfriend uh, who uh, from down here in Florida uh, who went back to uh, to uh, Europe to fight in World War II so there's a whole uh, gamut of stories within the story uh, mine is stretched out through World War one and the Hungarian Revolution so they're all unique in their own way, but the epicenter of the of the uh, genre is about the Holocaust uh, itself. And kudos to uh, Lisbeth, who runs Amsterdam Publishers in uh, in Amsterdam. Of course, uh, she's a non-Jewish. She's a Christian lady. She was a, a an art historian, and she converted to being a publisher. And this is all she does. So it, it's it's really fantastic. And she's getting a lot of recognition uh, over time. And uh, so far as that I know, they're still putting out about three books a month. So it's fantastic work. It's got to be hard work. I, I don't know if I could do it. Uh, I mean, I'm into science and math. I'm a radiologist. So learning this, doing this book over the last five years, now I'm an English major. I'm a marketing major, uh, political science, history, everything that I never was. And uh, it's been a great learning curve, but wonderful publishers. And uh, they really, we got them bottom of the ninth shoestring catch. You want to use a baseball analogy. That was our last query. And we were about to self-publish and she took the book on last January and said, wow, this is an amazing book. We've got to get this out. And by September, October, the book was out and off we go. 
where can readers find your book? And I understand there's some interesting uh, places that sell your book alongside the usual places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's a great question. I, I love how you word the question. They, they're they're interesting, and hopefully there's more. But yes, Amazon, of course, is the the easiest and the and the quickest way. You just one click, one pick. If you Google me, Robert J. Wolf, MD, or if you Google Not a Real Enemy, it should be you know right at the top of the uh, of the SEO. Another thing I learned about, but uh, certainly Barnes and Noble online, or you can walk into any Barnes and Noble store, and presumably any bookstore or even library, and you can ask uh, to look up the book. So Bar it's definitely in the Barnes and Noble system. Uh, if they don't have it in the store in the brick and mortar, you can order it through them and they can deliver it to your doorstep. Uh, but I encourage people that like the book and think more people should read this book to go into their local Barnes Noble uh, with a copy and say, I've got a few friends that want to buy this book. So let's, do you mind if we get it on the shelves? But it's on the shelves at Barnes Noble, at least 8, 10, 12 different Barnes Nobles around the country. Some in California, Massachusetts, here in Florida, uh, Michigan. Uh, and then Walmart online. I, I don't know much about that, but it is you can get it through Walmart if you if you Google "not a real enemy." But also, yeah, it's at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington D.C. Uh, I'm in talks with them now about uh, be doing hopefully a book presentation or a book signing. Hopefully, we button that down soon. Uh, it's available at the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center in Skokie, Illinois, in your home state of Illinois. Uh, we did a book talk there a few months ago, a book presentation. And that was very well received. Uh, we did a Q&A. We did a fireside chat, the talk, and a book signing. And we actually closed the place. The people were so interested in the book. Uh, so it's on it's on sale there. And then my uh, my home, my alum, my, uh, my alma mater, Tufts University uh, near Boston, Massachusetts, supposedly they have the book on sale there. As a, uh, they have a special program for alumni authors. So uh, it is on sale there. And I'm hoping, I'm also in talks with the uh, Michigan Holocaust Museum now, the Zeckelman Center, and uh, hopefully we'll get a book program sometime this year there. And if that's the case, uh, I would assume the book will be on sale there as well. And I'm also in talks with the, uh, the, uh, the Orange County um, Holocaust Museum in Southern California, and uh, we're that close to hopefully uh, buttoning something down there as well. So I would assume the book would be on sale there too. And uh, there's a lot more to go. There's a lot of museums to call. There's a lot of historians to reach out to. There's a lot of college professors, yeshiva schools, uh, even down to high school. It's a 400-page book, so I'm not so sure it can be fit into a high school curriculum, but certain subjects, maybe certain senior projects, summer reading, but uh, definitely targeted to, uh, to colleges, universities, especially now with everything going on in these campuses. But for my speech, my book talk that's uh, been well-received as well, we go down to ninth grade, eighth grade. I don't think uh, that's too young to appeal to uh, to these kids about what's going on in the world and how it parallels to the book and and uh, how perilous the dark world is if you really get to know what it's about. How do you believe that reading your book and sharing the stories in it could help curtail racism and anti-Semitism? Well, because people that read the book, they, they say it's such a big influence. They, they get the point from the beginning of how how the anti-Semitism is there and how my dad's always on the run and he's never feel he never feels safe, even during peacetime. And uh, the Jews always felt persecuted. And before the, the before World War II, after World War I, they had the Red Terror and they had the White Terror. And you you needed a program to keep back, keep, keep track of who your friends were and who your enemies were. And the Jewish people had this mentality back then that they were always the enemy. They always had to look over their shoulder. So uh, and people read this book and they say, uh, wow, this could be me. That's and this is what happened to me, too. They, they read about my dad and they, they put them in his place. And uh, it could be a, a natural disaster. It could be a bad neighbor, a bad uh, a bad business deal, a bad local government. 
federal government, foreign government, but something can change uh, your life in a hurry. And then all of a sudden you're, you're a person without a home, you're a person on the run, person without a job, person without family. Uh, it can happen to anybody. And that's that's the feeling people get too. So when they see that, it's, well, I'm not Jewish necessarily, but uh, yeah, this could happen to me. I mean, uh, remember when the we had the 911, uh, the Muslims got targeted and it, it was very sad because most Muslims were peaceful. 911 was American targets. They weren't Jewish targets. They weren't Muslim targets, but lots of Muslim, Jewish, Christian people died. You know, then we flash forward to uh, to the uh, COVID, uh, the, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, and then everybody was targeting Asians and indiscriminately. And uh, I'm fighting all that, too. I think that's just that's ignorance. That's not doing your homework. That's not uh, getting educated. And ultimately, the people that read these books, I want them to tell their kids about it, have their kids read the books, have the kids uh, sh share the books with their friends. And like I said, get it in the classroom. And ultimately, education will help fight uh, anti-Semitism. It's taking a long time in the colleges for these university professors to resign, but they're resigning finally. And they're realizing what they did was too little too late. But in my opinion, it's never too late. Uh, my final question is about your work as a doctor, and uh, I understand you're a neuroradiologist. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm a neuroradiologist. Oh. It's a subspecialty of radiology. Uh, and what do you enjoy most about being a neuroradiologist? Neuro neuroradiologist. I apologize for interrupting you there. No, no problem. No, it's a it's a hard word to to because uh, you can mix it up with the word neurologist. In fact, I've been pitched as a neurologist uh, for jobs and things like that. I said, no, I'm a neuroradiologist. And well, that kind of happens. But uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it's it's uh, it's imaging of the brain, spine and head and neck mostly. So brain, spinal cord, head and neck, uh, facial orbits, facial bones, uh, larynx. Uh, but I'm so I'm also a general radiologist, of course. And the last few years, I've been just doing part time X-ray and ultrasound. But back in the day, I was reading up to uh, 5000 MRIs a year. Uh, plus countless, uh, we used to do myelograms and, and CAT scans and and plus our, our regular work, ultrasound, barium enema, uh, plane films, ER work, uh, uh, ICU work, on and on. But um, I love neuroanatomy as a medical student, and I kind of stuck with it. Uh, I like the, the neuropathology. And so uh, once I got it, and so the anatomy part drew me to radiology, and then the neuroanatomy part drew me to neuroradiology. And I was fortunate enough to be at Brown for my residency and at Yale for my fellowship. So uh, they were great at Yale, super, super smart people, super, super nice people. It was one of those years where uh, it was so enjoyable going into work and learning and then uh, getting out and, and being able to do something that I like. Uh, a lot of specialties in medicine I didn't like, but radiology was one of them because anatomy was still one of my favorite classes back going back to medical school for sure. So uh, it's very, uh, it's it's a very um gratifying career. It's a, you're, you're helping thousands and thousands of people over your lifetime. And I kind of hope to do the same with the book in a different way. I mean, I was compensated for working as a radiologist all these years. The book, not so much, uh, but you know, you make a few bucks on each book, the ones you sell, but 10% of my uh, author proceeds, by the way, are going to the Holocaust Museum in DC as well. So to me, that's my that's my uh, my gift back to, uh, to the world, my gift back to my parents, uh, my, the legacy. And uh, I, I'm kind of combining the two now. So Two different things. And we've done other things like run uh, charity events or run uh, fundraisers. Very gratifying too. helping kids out, for example, kids with cancer that you don't even you haven't met. It's a different uh, different animal, uh, but it's it's very gratifying. So other than that, this may have been the most important thing I've done in my life. And I feel good about it. I turned my dad's autobiography from the 70s to a biography redone 20 times. And here it is, uh, a book that's uh, it's up and coming. Dr. Wolf. 
you were a amazing guest, and I thank you for appearing on Apollo Papyrus. Aaron, uh, you were an amazing host, and I appreciate you having me, uh, even though we're uh, division rivals in the Big Ten, but I love it, and uh, pleasure meeting you, and I uh, hope I get to meet you live and in person someday, maybe, uh, but I appreciate the time and the uh, interview and uh, and helping me spread the word and, and fighting anti-Semitism. You're doing it in your own way, whether you believe it or not. If we sell two books or five books and people uh, get it and tell a few other people, then um, then you're helping me fight anti-Semitism for sure. Appreciate it. This is an understatement on my part, but it's scary to think of the parallels between the mid-20th century and today. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write and read your passion. Bye for now. Remember to subscribe to the Apollo Papyrus YouTube channel at www.youtube.com forward slash at Apollo Papyrus and the Apollo Papyrus Substack newsletter at apollopapyrus.substack.com. Y'all can visit the Apollo Papyrus website at camparinapollo.witsite.com forward slash Apollo Papyrus and follow Apollo Papyrus on threads, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at Apollo Papyrus. Copy Copyright 2024, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.